The man, Hi. the myth, the legend. What's happening, my friend? Dr. Jack. How are you? Well, can't complain. Can't complain. You just got Sunny. done with hoops? Just got done with the men's basketball lift and uh, sun's shining, melting some of that snow, thankfully. <laughs> we got a ton of it, but it's all good. It's going to melt in a week with the Colorado sun. There is a lot of that going around before you hopped on. Uh, J.D. O'Brien at IU was talking about how it's a mess there. So, And I know uh, I was texting back and forth with Hootie and obviously Texas. Not used to that oh, wonder yeah. weather. I can only, so. Not used to it, yeah. Here at least we know what we're getting and we can handle it. And right, right. The infrastructure the, is there. Yeah, and I'll take the two-hour delay any day of the week because I'll get out and uh, – ski or skin and get the dogs out so you know take advantage of it right <laughs> oh yeah yep um so i was i was telling the guys in chat uh i feel like this is kind of one of our more challenging podcasts because you've hosted a podcast <laughs> right you've yeah. been on several podcasts yeah. like you've right, done these right. things a million times so i was like yeah. how do i come up with something interesting um and kind of fresh so um yeah, usually I kind of have some plans and some topics, but um, we're free form as it is, I like and this that. may yeah. may even be more so. So, um, yeah. but you mentioned the dogs, yeah, yeah, um, and they seem to be a pretty core part of just your day to day. Has that has that yeah. always been the case, or uh, no? That was a huge. Uh, it was it kind of transpired when I started interim here at CC um, last well. August 19, I guess, was when I was interim. So, yeah, I just, you know, I knew it was fairly dog friendly here. I had no idea until I took the job that, like, on any given day in our athletic department, there's three to six dogs in coaches' offices. Like, it's wild. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, And then I've just started bringing these guys. And, yeah, I mean, let's see. We got uh, in the house. Nice. Just chilling. This one is not quite, I don't know where she is. There you are. Hey, say hi. <laughs> what did, they, did they put in some effort in the, the basketball lift? So they're, they're kind of recovering. Right oh now? yeah. Yeah. They are. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty funny. They stay out of the way like enough for, uh, to not, you know, get hurt, but they still are like, like to linger around uh, and she being a mini will jump up on the bench. Cause she realizes that people will pet her more if she's, if she's sitting on a bench. So like, well, attention's pull, always nice. Yeah. They pull the bench out for squats and leave it behind them. And she parks herself on the bench and waits <laughs> for them to be done. It's actually, it's wild. And we have a door to the tr- athletic training room. that goes right through our weight room too. And, uh, and, anytime I might look around and she's not in here, she usually just goes to the athletic training room by herself like now. So it's, it's pretty wild. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Some, a, a good chunk of the EF crew is kind of dog people as yeah. well. So, yeah. um, has that like, have you had dogs growing up kind of in general yeah. or? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We had, I had a dog uh, like when I was younger and then since my adult life always have had a dog. So yeah, it worked out really. And Colorado again is just dog friendly or it seems like everybody has a dog or two that lives in Colorado. So it's kind of like par for the course. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, what kind of dogs are they? Yeah, one's an Australian Shepherd Border Collie mix, and the other one's a mini Australian Shepherd. Yep. So both are rescues, so we got lucky. And yeah, and how well behaved. Even like other my other coworkers, some of them are like, I can't believe your dogs are that well behaved. Like I could never bring my dog here. And I have done nothing to train them. Like we just got lucky <laughs> because like, I mean, I, I've taught them how to sit. That's about it. Like as far as like their behavior, it's just pure luck that they're that good in the weight room. <laughs> gotcha. Well, yeah, yeah uh, we have a rescue and there is no, as like Avery and the rest of the crew would tell you, there's, there's no way my dog's going in any weight room. Right. Um, right. So yeah. it's, it's always, always a work in progress um, for yep. sure. So, um, so, I mean, I think, like I said, kind of most people, I think, kind of are aware to a great degree that uh, you spent a lot of time with the NSCA um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and now have transitioned over into working at Colorado College. Um, 
and I know you've, you've been there for a, for a little while now, how like, has it been the refresh that you were hoping for? Yeah, it really was, you know, and I think, you know, I like it, it one, it definitely like re it sparked the fueled the fire again, you know, and I just feel like that, like all of my time at the NSCA and, and granted, you know, I wasn't full-time coaching at NSCA, you know, in their facility. A lot of it was more related to the bigger picture projects. Um, but that being said, you know, I still was able to keep my skill sharp for lack of a better word, um, you know, by the opportunities, whether it was working with the Paralympic sled hockey team or the SWAT team, you know, at different points throughout the year. Um, some of our youth hockey, um, even though I wasn't on the floor 40 hours a day or, you know, a week. Um, so getting back into it, definitely it recharged me. Um, I was ready, but I was also from the NSCA perspective, like I had been there nine plus years. Like I had felt like I felt great of all the things we had done in that time frame, And I kind of was just like, you know, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, it's, it's time for somebody else to like pick up this and carry on. Like I've not that I've did as much as I possibly could, but I was like, I felt great at that point about like, you know what, somebody is going to have fresh ideas and a new perspective. And like, and again, the other cat, the other, like one of the pros on my pros and cons list, you know, when I was looking at leaving NSCA was actually staying super involved in NSCA um, and again, so now, you know, I, I was elected to the nomination committee in last July. And so, you know, I'm on the nomination committee and hopefully someday, you know, we'll run for board of directors. So like actually leaving gives me an opportunity to maybe have a bigger impact, you know, from the outside in some different committees and things. So that was as much of a factor in it as well, but definitely loving being in the trenches again, um, of, you know, I was joking with McKeefery because, you know, he got back into the mix and he was like, yeah, what a bunch of, what a couple of knuckleheads getting into right. again in the middle of a pandemic hits us, right? <laughs> well, you could argue it lets you ease in, right? Like you definitely exactly. couldn't hit it yeah. the way you wanted to. Yeah, so. right, right. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, other than the pandemic, which is a gigantic curveball for everybody, like has, have there been, has anything surprised you about getting back in? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, you became a strength coach and then moved over to NSCA, but we're there for a fair amount of time. So were there any, any things you're like, Oh, well, this is a little different now. Not too much. You know, I mean, I still, cause I had been working with Colorado college hockey through our partnership at NSCA uh, up until 2015 so I still had that connection. So yeah, there haven't been any real like big shocking um, moments for that part. Um, again, you know, one of the nice things we're building a $70 million hockey arena that broke ground a year ago, literally a year ago, February, and they haven't stopped moving on that. So like that was a huge, again, a huge plus to taking the job and getting to design another facility and, being involved in everything at that. So, you know, I don't think there was anything that really shocked me. It's just kind of uh, managing coaching relationships, sport coaches, right? You know, getting sure. back to used to that. So, I mean, that's a whole nother can of worms and, you know, just getting back to like, okay, this is how we have to do certain things and like make sure everyone has the proper expectations and, you know, um, that that's probably been one of the trickier things just like well no i'm i'm overseeing all these teams now so i'm not going to be able to just travel with your team entire you know every single game so yeah it's just it's been like a little bit of educating them as well like this is the reason you brought me here and this is how you know i'm best able to serve your you your team um in this capacity well and that's that comes up like a lot, not just in general, right? Casual chats, sometimes on the podcast, et cetera. Um, so if we can lean into that a little bit, like for younger coaches or less experienced coaches, like do you have recommendations on how they should try to navigate some of those conversations with sport coaches? Because like if you lay a good foundation, things seem to go pretty right. well. But right. getting to that point – 
Yeah. Probably take some experience. Thoughts on that for folks? Yeah. You know, I think you, I think you have to like, I mean, I think educating the coaches on what we do is as, as important as educating the athletes on Navy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on what you're uh, on what we're, you know, trying to teach them. So like, you know, I mean, even for me, like I'm trying to educate, uh, you know, one of our top team head coaches on that, like, I, I'm much more valuable to you working with the eight road trip going on the road trip with you and spending 10 minutes doing a dynamic warm up. And again, if I haven't done my job, like all of your, all of your team, all of the teams I work with darn well better know how to run their own 10 minute warm up um, when it comes to like a game day or else, you know, then, then maybe we're holding another discussion if I haven't done that, but I feel pretty confident that every team I have can do that by themselves. And granted, I'll do it, you know, some of the time, but if I'm not there for some reason, they have to be able to do that. And I, and I feel totally confident that they can do that. So it's more educating. Yeah. I think for younger coaches, I do. I mean, I think it's great to travel, but it's also great, um, you know, to be able to like have them understand that you're, you have a master's degree and all these certifications and, you know, your expertise is probably best used with the most amount of people that you can work with. That might not be, you know, and spending the most time with them. So yeah, if you have eight teams, you know, it might not make sense to be traveling with one team exclusively. Well, game day is pretty fun. Totally. Most of the time. Totally. But yeah, best seat, you know, strength coach is going to get the best seats in the house probably too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. But then I, you know, like from again, again, in a small, so in a small setting, and again, we're, I'm really fortunate. My athletic director started, uh, I don't think three months before she hired me, but so she gets it, but like, you know, she knows that we need another position because she knows that uh, myself and my full-time assistant, and then we have one part-time person, like with 17 teams, we just don't, we can't do all the things we want to do. And so, you know, they knew, hey, we're working on, and even wrote it into my annual review last year that like, hey, this third position is a priority and you are getting it, um, you know, sans pandemic. <laughs> Well, yeah, it seems like everything has that little asterisk yeah. pandemic COVID uh, kind of thing going on. So, um, yeah, there's kind of that blanket over over yeah. everything yeah. right now. Um, so, I mean, that, that in a way is kind of interesting because you spent um, so much time at NSCA trying to sort of grow the profession. And now in its own microcosm, you're at it because uh, it's technically D3, right? Colorado College. Uh, so we have 15 D3 teams and then two Division One teams. So ice hockey, hockey from men and women's soccer on the women's side are the D1 oh, I didn't know programs. That. Yeah, okay. women's soccer plays in the Mountain West um, and hockey plays in what I call the SEC of college hockey, which is the NCHC. Gotcha. Pow- powerhouse. So never an easy game. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So is that like that challenge of sort of, of growing like three people, two and a half, it sounds right, like right. the way you described it. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's an interesting challenge then try to grow the value that is seen in terms of strength conditioning across all of those sports. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you have like specific kind of bullet points or things that you are stressing to administration to try to help grow some of that or, yeah, what's I mean, the approach? It's, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of both. It's like, you know, well, pretty much every sport team we have has at least two full-time coaches and either a part-time or a volunteer or two. And those teams have between 15, if you're talking about basketball athletes and 50, let's say lacrosse athletes, and you've got three to four coaches or three to five with volunteers and then the strength and conditioning, we have two people for 350 athletes. So why is that okay? Like, is that, is, is that really an acceptable, you know, number? And so that, I think, when you start breaking it down a little and just, you know, and I don't know, I'm sure administrators have 
sometimes it might not have even crossed their radar, you know, when you break it down and say that athletic training, right? We've got like nine people on staff, including a physical therapist. And they, I mean, obviously they screen all the athletes, but really their job is only working with injured athletes. And our job is working with all the athletes. So, you know, the more like that we just keep pounding that narrative into them, I think they just keep hearing it. And I truly believe some in in the right settings, a squeaky wheel gets the green. Uh, We are fortunate in a private set private university like this um, with, you know, very good resources. Even in this pandemic, we've had no layoffs or furloughs. So like, you know, we have resources that I know other people not, don't necessarily have access to. So I think, you know, we've definitely, because don't get me wrong, I'm going to push them for more than three, <laughs> three strength coaches. Like, I'm not going to be done when they, when I get the third position, but, you know, I'm saving that one for a little later down the road. <laughs> Do you feel like in some ways, like what we see ends up mirroring just the general, call it, this is, probably too sweeping of a statement, but sort of uh, attitude across the U.S. in terms of, of health and wellness in general. Like, we're very reactionary. Yeah. Um, like, we don't, we're not preventative right. most of the time. Um, and so, yeah, as opposed to not having underlying problems, right, which yeah, then get exacerbated, right, and then you have to try to yeah. fix it. Right. Um I mean, do you feel like that plays a role or do you feel like yeah. it's more specific to universities? Yeah, I mean, I think it plays a role, but I think also like universities don't like they don't know some some places don't know what they don't know. Right. So, I mean, until 2015, CC only had one strength coach. My buddy, Kevin Cronin, was here, who was my assistant at the NSCA. And they didn't, they didn't add that assistant position that I now have until I stepped down from hockey in 2015. And they were like, oh, we need someone else. And they were really thinking just to do hockey. But like that's the way that position got created or else poor Kev would have still had all 16 teams that he was stuck with for four years. And, and you know, to his, to his credit, he did a phenomenal job. So I think sometimes when you have somebody that's willing to go above and beyond and overwork themselves for years, right? They obviously were like, well, it must be okay if he can handle all 350. Right. Athletes. <laughs> so like, to some well, degree, he's a crone. And I'm sure so he was asking for exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's in their blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I do think it's like, that is one of the interesting things culturally that is both a blessing and a curse is that so many strength coaches want to grind, want to put in the work, feel like they're setting a good example. But at a certain point, you have to ask the question, are you almost devaluing what you do by putting so much forward? Um, And that, I mean, we could probably spend hours just talking about that. Right. Um, Yeah. And so, like I don't even have a conclusion. Like yeah. as far as like no, that statement, just, it's just right. it's, it's an though. ongoing yeah. challenge. Yeah, I think it's always going to be a battle, and and in sport coaching in general, it's it's not necessarily just strength coaches, right? There's sport coaches that are like that too, and I'm sure the younger one. And I mean, a lot of you know, we we are very specific in the our profession to complain about our our own stuff, but like. I know a lot of the assistant sport coaches don't make very much money either. Right. And they still work tons of hours. So I don't, I think a lot of times strength and conditioning coaches, when they're talking about strength and conditioning, you know, it's also, it's the bigger picture of coaching in general. Like we're still trying to really get the, the whole entire profession of coaching to be taken more seriously, you know? And I mean, I was telling somebody the other day, like, I mean, the only qualification to be a sport coach generally is that you played the sport. I mean, pretty much like they don't need master's degrees. They don't need certifications to get hired. Some of them haven't even played the sport. So like, <laughs> it's, you know, I think the, the coaching profession is, is in this evolution of, or, you know, kind of stepping up to the next level and, and growing, which, which is great, but there's also a lot of you know, headaches and different things that come along with it. 
Oh, for sure. Well, that's, that's one of the, probably the most challenging things just in, in terms of like elite forms of growth, sort of call it in, in our world for lack of a better way of putting it is like we, you and I would just know so many people who have like PhDs, master degrees, et cetera. And yet you will see them end up in conversations like across a spectrum of people. And it's as if that background doesn't exist. Like they sort of get kind of pushed down for lack of a better way of putting it. And I don't know how you overcome like some of those challenges where like everyone's just going to log into PubMed to review the research, right. Or Google scholar or whatever, like we're going to share the research. So why is there this strange dichotomy um, and not understanding what people have already put into it, basically? Right. No, I, I think you're right on the yeah. money. <laughs> What's that? I oh, think you're right on yeah. the money well, with that one. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a challenge. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't have a solution, but I, no. I do like to bring it up. Um, because once you, once you start pointing toward what it means to get some of those degrees, you know, at least someone's other people start to become aware that they exist, if that makes sense. So totally. and if you have a PhD in kinesiology, someone just didn't hand that to you. Yeah. That kind of, exactly. that kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Yep. Um, so to, to segue, not everybody bit, gets, so, to, not everyone gets to be called doctor without actually having a doctorate except for some. Right. Right. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Um, well, and that, that just feeds into it, right? Because like when you see situations where strength conditioning or athletic performance is, is sliding into um, being like over, there's oversight by the medical community, right. uh, that all gets really messy pretty much in a hurry. Yeah, um, yeah, it definitely can. And I know some people get pretty territorial about certain things too, you know, I mean, my boss is is assistant athletic director for sports performance is his title and he's an ATC by trade and he oversees medic the ATC staff and our staff um, and you know I had people say when I when that position was open like well wait why aren't you you know that should be your job or why aren't you you know and and honestly especially during this pandemic like you couldn't pay me enough to have his job there's no like right. i'll tell you that right now uh, and i've just seen the level of administration stuff that he administrative stuff he does like i came back to the weight room for a reason like you know so you know maybe someday oh, yeah. we'll have that conversation but right now there's there is no way i would want that job well the other the other thing that comes up Sometimes people don't talk about, I remember Pat, I remember Pat Ivy and I were talking about this is kind of boils down to people to some degree. Yeah. Right. So, you know, someone could come from that medical background, but as a person be open, understand the value that you're bringing. Right. And, and if you can, you can find that in your environment. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, our AD set the narrative from the start and told them, Hey, your relationship with Scott is probably the most important relationship that you have. Nice. And, and so that, like that helps shut the table and um, he and I get along great. And I know we would have, even if she hadn't done that just because of the, we hired the right person, you know, but like it helps when your athletic For sure. director, you know, believes in that and believes in you like that. So again, that was another, obviously another reason I came here. Makes sense. Well, just yeah. like we would talk about building relationships with your athletes, yeah, it's building all of those relationships, right? Totally, totally. Um, I'm going to segue a little bit. This is about relationships, though, so it's perfect. So, you know, I went out to CoachCaulfield.com, stalked oh, yeah. you a little bit to try okay. to try to ask you some decent <laughs> questions, right? Be a good host. Um, but you, one of the things that you've got is like a small list of some of the podcasts that you really enjoy. Right. So you've got Jim Davis, Lauren Landau. Um, and so I'm just wondering, is there, is there a common thread with some of those where there are particular topics that came up or what, what made those stand out to you? I think those episodes I picked were probably more like based on 
the non-coaching related topics that we talk about, you know, and I think that's where, again, um, I've just been more interested in the field in that area, you know, in personal relationships and, you know, obviously everybody has to get the foundation, you know, to be able to train people the right way and get results but like in at the end of the day and one of my old mentors and bosses used to say it's all about results and relationships and that's what it all comes down to and i'm like there it is like you that's the nail on the head so obviously you can't not get not get our kids you know stronger and faster and hopefully keep them out of the training room but you know at the end of the day like the the relationships that you build with them are what's going to get you the majority of the results, not, uh, not which squat variation you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, no, I just, I, I just found it interesting to like, you know, I know you've had a lot of those conversations, right. Yeah. And like selfishly, uh, one of the reasons we started doing this was like, I felt like I was staring at spreadsheets too much. Yeah. Right. And I kind of just missed those like traveling to a room, talking shop, et cetera. Um, so there's my, <laughs> someone had the nerve to walk past our house. Um, so she letting them have it. But uh, of course I totally killed my train of thought, but yeah. So um, one of the, I think I mentioned, I, I, I told the guys, like, I know Scott's done a lot of these things. So, like, is there anything you guys want to know? So Avery, right? Avery Klein on our crew who came out to visit with you. He was really concerned about wanting to understand when you go ski, right? <laughs> what, like, where do you go? Like, where are your spots out in Colorado? Okay. Well, the if we go, you know, if I'm going to go to the mountains, the great thing about living here in the Colorado Springs is we're two hours basically from Summit County, which is where Breckenridge, Vail, A Basin, Keystone, Copper Mountain, all the, the big dogs of the Colorado <laughs> skiing are. So, you know, we're fortunate we're only two hours away from there. Um, the nice thing for if anybody was looking at my story yesterday is if it snows enough here in town, there's um, an area right, right a couple miles away that you, if there's enough snow, it's amazing. It's on, honestly, it's like a, to explain it to people, it's like a logging road for lack of a better word. Um, and there's different hikes off it, but you can just stay on the logging road. And so I took my backcountry skis and just skinned up that and skied back down it. And it's like a four mile, 2000 quick hit elevation. Um, and it's like right out the front door. So, you know, we've gotten more into backcountry skiing, but I'll probably ski the most at Breckenridge um, or Vail just because they're closer. So have you, um, have you done a lot of backcountry stuff or is that something you're still um, getting into it? But yeah, handful, probably, I've probably the last two years though, I've skied as much backcountry as I have uh, on resorts. So we're, we're getting it equaled out there. Well, definitely this year we haven't done a ton. It's the back country is super dangerous. I'm sure you, you guys have noticed the news. There's like an avalanche or two death and every, every weekend. So pretty much staying super safe and, you know, keep, well, we'd like of, to keep you around. Yeah. So yeah, that's so, the goal. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to look at the snow conditions and um, like, have you gotten to the point though, where you do the whole, transponder thing where you kind of yeah, get out there yep, and yep we okay. wear wear the beacons when we go out and i've taken uh there's a a guy uh in town pike pikes peak alpine school that we've gone out with for our there's the airy course which is like a certification basically in avalanche awareness level one and level two and so we've done the level ones and yep so we definitely have done the right safety things to make ourselves feel you know and I tip, I'm not a real risk taker in general. So we typically go with someone who's more knowledgeable as much as possible. Or if we don't do that, then we stay to really super safe, low angle stuff that we know like that one that's right here in town that I, that there's never a chance of getting hurt on. There's nothing wrong with being prudent. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. Um, 
Yeah. So I know, I know that if you, if you ever want extra, like, you know, an extra two on your crew, right. When you head out into the back country that all you have to do is send Avery and I a text and we'll probably be there pretty, pretty darn quick going. Yeah. So spring, spring in Colorado is the best back country. It's more safer, less avalanches. Uh, We could be skiing in April with the sun out. (laughs) We can, we can make that happen. I'm surprised Avery hasn't chimed in yet. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because it's been a little while. I used to go, I used to snowboard every day on my birthday, um, which is like December 19th. And then years ago, did some backcountry stuff uh, in Idaho cool. and like a year trip and those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, fa- fastball down the middle for, for your elite form crew. Yeah, uh, I like it. Yeah. So, um, so I meant to ask this earlier, like really right at the beginning. Um where did Dr. Jack come from? <laughs> that was all, I, I can't take any credit for it. Luckily I didn't name, name, name myself. Um, <laughs> well, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, though, right. Yeah, exactly. That was all Aaron Osmus, uh, pen and paper strength app for those who don't know him. And he was just at USC and Sorenex. So through uh, Sorenex, I had, was fortunate enough to meet Aaron and we, just got along really well and hit it off. And what it was one, I want to say it was, it was either 2016 or 17, I'm trying to remember, but he came to coaches conference uh, with the Swernex crew for their setup. And he had brought me this. Um, it was the Dr. Jack program that he had just written. And it, so it's the picture of like Dr. Jack and he's like half of the jacked guy and half the guy in the little suit. And he said he had signed it and wrote on it, you know, I thought of you when I was writing this program. Thanks for being an inspiration, you know. And so maybe it was from my, you know, NSCA by day with my polo shirt and nice pants on. Um, and then, you know, when I train, people sometimes didn't realize like, oh, man, this guy actually looks like he's been training. Like, so I thought and I thought that was important, right? The NSCA gets a bad knock sometimes for having too many scientists or being too nerdy. And so um, I like to, I like to even it out with a little meathead flair to make people realize (laughs) that we didn't lose our roots anywhere. Right. uh, Yeah. Um, Well, that was all him. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine being on the elite form crew. Right. So everyone thinks we're just a bunch of tech geeks, you know? So, and then it, like I consider my, like, I like to get under a bar, but I also am a bit more of a cyclist than anything else. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's always funny, like, um, like fill the sleeves or, you know, take kind of, kind of your, yeah, like whatever version of that, right. right that you right. want across a lot of the guys we know, but then like cyclists do the same stuff with their quads. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you look at my Instagram, you get a lot of this, right? And then you got a lot of guys flexing their quads. Everybody's a nerd. Right. right. So it just always kills me. Um, <laughs> so Avery chimed in and he wants to know your opinion on Crested Butte. Oh, my gosh. Well, I should, See, I didn't mention that one because that's the, that's the one I'm trying to keep secret. Uh, <laughs> I actually literally just got back from Crested Butte. We were there Did last, you really? last weekend. Yeah, yeah. If I could – if I could – call it quits and retire right now, I would be living in Crested Butte year round. Yep. yep. Nice. Yeah. Mountain biking, skiing, all the above. It's got it all. So that's my favorite town in Colorado, hands down. It's, isn't it also a little bit harder to get to? Like yeah, kind of exactly. weed some yeah. people out for like, yeah. that sounds yeah, crappy, but you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No offense to my friends in Denver, but it keeps a lot of the Denver, Denver crowd out because it's so far away. Yep. So it's a hidden gem. So you mentioned mountain biking. Would you consider yourself a mountain biker then or? Well, I live with a pretty serious mountain biker. So Do I don't you? know that I would call myself because she, I can't, if I think about, is there a stack I would rank call in the house? mountain biker? Oh yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> got the, she's got the crown. <laughs> um, so I definitely am an enthusiast when it comes to mountain biking, not necessarily okay. uh, as much, but that's definitely, a, that's a, you know, such a great, and again, he, being here, there's so many places uh, that have amazing trails. You know, we've got one area, like 10 minutes in one direction and five in another that you can either pedal to or drive to and just be on trails um, that are amazing here in the Springs. And then again, 
not to mention all the other places that you can go and adventure and, you know, Grand Junction, Colorado, Moab is, you know, not super far from here. Um, you know, even, you know, in, in wintertime, people will shoot down to Pueblo or Canyon City, um, which is about an hour, hour and some change from here and be able to ride and there's not tons of snow. So that's definitely the, the, the other sport for sure. <laughs> do the, do the dogs go with? Uh, sometimes on mountain biking. Yeah. But not always. It just depends. Yeah. The mini actually is surprisingly good, like surprisingly loves it and will just ride right behind. Like usually she's in front of me and I'll ride back and the mini will be right in the middle the whole time. It's pretty funny to see. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It works well. But no, my um, girlfriend's, uh, so, she's part of like Wimbo race team and does all these high Alpine races. Like she likes to suffer. So, you know, I'm like a hour and a half, two hours is my limit. She's a eight and a half type hour, like suffer pain type. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's not my bag. <laughs> well, uh, like I'm, I'm going to end up, I'm signed up to do the Breck Epic this year. I don't know if you're familiar oh, right. with that race. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah, that sounds sounds like some mutual suffering uh, could yeah. potentially go on. I might come out yeah. there and do some yeah, you will. Yeah. some altitude stuff. So um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, more fellow Aussie uh, lovers joining in here. See, I can see <laughs> Coach Jocelyn. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. Like once people kind of get into dogs a little bit, it <laughs> seems like there's a slope where boom, you kind of become all in pretty quick. Yeah. Oh yeah, because sure. our dog, we largely got because my daughter wanted a dog, and there was a long conversation about all right, like you're gonna have to take care of her, blah blah blah, blah right. and it became my dog. So yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to get around that, but yeah, I don't, yeah I'm not yeah. complaining. I'm not complaining. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so like, and we're kind of touching on one of the things I find interesting. One of the things that will happen with a lot of coaches is particularly with the way schedules work is they don't end up finding the time to have the well-rounded life that like, if people follow you on Instagram, they'll see that sort of you're sort of doing. Um, And I'm just kind of wondering, do you have like, is that something you consciously are aware of or, or how do you keep that balance? I think I am nowadays. I don't think, I think when I was younger and just getting in the profession, like most of us do and, I don't know. Maybe I should, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like everybody should, you know, has to do this because I did it kind of thing or, you know, but I do feel like when you're younger and hungrier, you can afford and you don't have uh, a wife and kids and dogs. And, you know, like I, and like at that point when I didn't uh, like, let's say when I was at Dartmouth college, like I could, you know, work crazy hours and weekends and multiple jobs if I wanted to. And like, I needed, I knew that I needed to get the experience to be able to get jobs that I wanted. And so that was the priority for me. Um, And now again, obviously, as I've transitioned director role and stuff like that, like family and spending time outdoors are big priorities of mine. So, you know, the college setting is going to make that a little bit more um, tricky slash, you know, just have to manage it a little bit more. Um, hockey, having a winter sport like hockey, obviously, right. It's going to cut into your skiing time. So it's just picking and picking the right opportunities. And like, you know, again, we got, got pretty lucky last weekend that it was just really cold and a lot of the stuff was canceled and it was totally wide open. So it was like, okay, get the, let's get out of dodge you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know the more like i have great my my small very small staff is phenomenal so you know i have really i can trust them to take over and i think that's been a big thing too as a as a growing and learning more about your self and not feeling like you have to do everything right and i think that's what all leaders have to figure out at some point like it's okay if you're not there. And, and even within that, I want to train people like train my staff and train our other coaches that no, my staff is an extension of me. So if I need 
Emily to run this lift or to do X, Y, Z, they're just like me being there and it's okay. And yeah, if I get, you know, if I get hit by a bus and I'm not here tomorrow, what are you guys going to do? Like, is everything just going to stop and nothing's, you know, you're not going to be able to carry on. Like, you know, we have to be able to still do it. Like, and I think that also just educating people on that helps with that, you know, so that you can be gone and no one loses their mind. So have you always, have you always been comfortable with being gone or was that like just personally a process for you? Oh no. Yeah. I mean, I used to, I think I was like a lot of us, a type, uh, workaholic strength coaches lost relationships over my career and different things. So, you know, I think it's been a process of learning how to manage it to, to be able to know what, you know, know what you want and how that works into the big picture of things. I mean, I, I think the coaching hours can be tough too, but like, I kind of love, I live less than a mile from the, from the college now. I think I told you that a while ago. Yeah. Um, And I actually love, my schedule of the other thing with the block plan is we always have our, our students are in class. So there's no, there's no lifts at every single hour of the day. Like a lot of other um, schools, you know, the nice thing with the block gotcha. plan is everybody has class from nine to noon basically. And then they might have a lab. So I really enjoy having that nine to noon time or nine to two time as totally flexible for me a lot of the time. And I can, again, since I only live less than a mile away, I can shoot home. We walk to work a lot. So we might walk back and forth a couple times throughout the day. Um, so it just depends. But I think that that flexibility in the schedule is something that I enjoy. Um, you know, we've got a, we're going to have a first scrimmage of women's soccer tonight. So, I'll, you know, I'll be here at like seven or so tonight for the scrimmage. But, you know, I didn't come in till noon today and I took the dogs out and got outside this morning, you know. So I got my kind of what I needed and, and then I'm going to do some fun stuff with our teams too. So Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah so are, are you having, I've heard this phrase a couple of different ways, but, um, like a mega spring where everybody's playing in the spring, basically. Yeah. yeah. I was just joking. My men's basketball coach about that. Like in, in like two weeks, we're going to have both basketballs competing, hockey competing, women's soccer competing, both lacrosse is competing. Yeah. Every single team is basically going to be in season here in the next couple of weeks, except some of them have already finished. Swim and dive already finished their season, which is oh, wow. baffling. You know, they had like a four or five week season and it's already over. Um, but yeah, everybody has been in season from, from January to April. So yeah. that's made it interesting again. For know, sure. Okay. Like covering medical staff, covering multiple games again, okay. even with them trying to figure out the coverage has been really interesting. Oh, I bet. Like shell game, basically yeah, kind of constantly. Yep. <laughs> and is are most of the seasons effectively kind of mini seasons? Like no one's quite in, getting as many games in, but everybody's some, playing. Some are, some aren't. Yeah, some some have definitely are. You know, a lot of our Division three teams are pretty much conference only. Um, but like our, our men's lacrosse has a really strong program and they're usually a top D3 contender. Um, they're, they've got a pretty solid schedule of like 20 games and I'm, so they're going for gold oh, wow. here. And um, it's just been interesting. Yeah. Basketballs have been a little hectic. There's, you know, been as everywhere, crazy COVID issues and quarantine issues. And so that's been obviously hard to work around and, you know, our women's team is probably going to be in top place in the conference and might only have six or seven, you know, six wins, but they might be, they might win the conference that way. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one for sure. <laughs> it's just been a weird year. Well, so weird. potentially two weird years, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. As long as, as long yeah. as this is, has lingered on. So yeah. Um, Yeah, one of the so I know I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between kind of casual stuff and and um, more serious things, but uh, to to go back to, I mean, it kind of leans into your time at the the NSCA a little bit. 
like, you know, you mentioned like you're still involved, but in kind of a different way. Like, do you have kind of in your mind some potential goals for the field as a whole? Um, Or like kind of big picture, how are you thinking about things like that long term? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's, I think it's got to be headed toward licensure. Like, I just think that the athletic training profession shows, you know, that clearly has worked out for them and I think we're headed that way but like I joke around too like when you know I've seen some people on Twitter recently get into it about uh you know the union we need to unionize strength and conditioning coaches and blah 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 and I'm like like you got you guys can't even decide like what type of squat you that you want to do like you, we're still arguing about who, which way you squat and you guys want to unionize or have a uh, licensure. Like you're missing the picture here. Like we've got to, we got to get some basic goals. So, I mean, I think that's the future, but I, I just would like to see, um, you know, more kind of alignment between NSCA and the CSCCA and just keep building those bridges and collaborations um, so that we can keep helping, you know, show that this profession means a lot and obviously you have to have a master's degree and certification so like obviously the there's minimum requirements that are there and it's just again it's still there's a ton more educating that needs to be done at so with and with so many different levels i think that's the other tricky part right college and high school and all these different areas with division one two and three like one size doesn't necessarily fit all. So it's, it's really, there's a lot of growth to be done. I don't necessarily know the exact, um, you know, items that, that are going to solve those problems, but I would love to, you know, hopefully be part of the solution in some way, shape or form. Do you think about it more in terms of a, let's just continually get a little bit better then instead of, because I asked it in terms of big, broad sweeping goals, right? But you see it from kind of ground up. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, we're in a lot better place than we were ten years ago. Right now, um, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, you've got, you know, NSCA is working on the accreditation of the certification. So you're going to need to have a degree from an accredited university by 2030. Um, you know, so that's one step, and you know, that's oh gosh, what that's only really like nine years from now i mean it's gonna be here before we know it um so you know i think i think things are moving in the right direction you know the toughest thing for the nsca too is they're trying to serve so many different uh they'd call them audience groups but members in general you know you've got personal trainers you've got tactical you've got college strength coaches um and every one of those groups wants to be treated special and get their own everything. So that's the biggest, that's the biggest challenge of an organization that large, I think. And I don't know that, I think people understand that to some degree, um, but maybe not to the really big degree when you, when you think about the big picture of how many people that literally is. Right. Well, you'd almost have to, this is a bit of a stretch for me to say, but, you'd almost have to work for the NSCA to then see the touch points and in, into all yeah. of those groups to really appreciate yeah. that level of reach because yeah. like the, like, like the people you and I know in common aren't going to be across all of those groups. Like, I mean, we have some, some private facilities that use yeah. elite form and that kind of thing, but for a large, most of it's going to be NSCA or NCAA, right. That kind of thing. Um, a little bit of tactical, yeah. but if you're really trying to serve those groups, yeah. the commonalities get, get away from you pretty quickly. I would think. Totally. Is that yeah, accurate? I think that, yeah. And I think the people that get more involved and serve on committees or as state directors and get to understand how the board of directors and, and the organization works, um, aren't as easily frustrated as some people who might just join thinking that, you know, they're a college strength coach and this is going to be the greatest asset to them. And then they're like, wait, you know, I think 
Like I, but I personally like the diversity of all those different things too. Like I always enjoyed the national conference even before I worked at the headquarters, which was a conglomeration of everybody that makes up the organization. But I like that, you know, I, and don't get me wrong. I love college strength coaches too. And I love those opportunities, but like, I liked being able to interact with all the different people and meet people from all different backgrounds and areas and different aspects of coach of the strength and conditioning profession in general. Well, it's going to take someone who's has that interest to start to tie some of those things together. Right. Like if you get someone in a silo, totally like that, that's going to, that's going to be harder on everybody. So um, we're kind of coming to the point where Instagram will kick us off. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm going to slide in about mountain biking again, Leadville trail 100. Oh, Would you man. do it? Or is that too long for you? It's too long for me. Um, Alina, she did the Leadville 50 uh, a couple of years ago. And I think they added like a 15 miler. And I was like, yeah, ah, you know what? That Come on. Right up, that's right up my alley. All right. Um, but yeah, Leadville 100. I know a few of the real badass people I know that have done it. And that's no joke. Yeah, that's a, that is a grinder. Um, and not to mention being in level at 10 point, whatever thousand feet. It's not at. low. <laughs> it is not low. Yeah. You hit that column and you realize there's not a lot of air up there. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, well, Hey brother, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. Me. Hopefully this wasn't just, uh, completely cliche, right. In, in, in terms of conversation. Right. Um, hopefully and, uh, people aren't know. too mad that they had to listen to stories about dogs and mountain biking too much you know with with <laughs> our podcast like uh what i've discovered is particularly with covid everyone's a little worn out on like webinar style conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. right okay. and so uh i am more than happy to lean into dogs <laughs> and you know how many inches did you get a fresh and yeah, all of those yeah. things so um what we found is then as people sort of tune in to like check it out on youtube or any podcast place you get your podcasts coach will the, right, it's brother. kind of a nice refresher right yeah, so yeah, yeah. i think this has been great uh appreciate you coming on and yeah. uh we'll talk to you offline soon thanks again for having me thanks, thanks for everybody brother. listened in too appreciate you guys right, we'll see you bye